Welcome to this week's episode of First Do No Harm. My guest this week is a fellow nurse podcaster. He has a podcast called Nurse Papa. Papa, why are you always laughing? Do I really laugh that much? Yes, Papa, a lot. Why? Um, I guess because life is pretty funny most of the time. What's so funny about it, Papa? Well, you and your brother are especially hilarious. You both say and do some pretty amazing things. Like what, Papa? He is also an author that has a new book coming out in August. I hope you enjoy this talk with David, a.k.a. Nurse Papa. Hey, Jamie. And first, uh, thank you so much for inviting me to your show. I've listened to a few episodes lately, and I am super impressed with the amazing people that you bring on your show, and I'm happy to be counted among them. So first, I'm a father and a husband and a pediatric oncology nurse. I've been doing that for about 13 years. As you said, I also wrote a book, which is not quite out. It will be out from Gen Z Press in August, which is a long time from now. But in the meantime, I am also producing a podcast just like yourself, but it's a little bit different. It's called Nurse Papa. And it is basically my perspective as a pediatric oncology nurse and father um, upon parenting and how we raise these little people. And it's been a lot of fun so far. So you are pediatric oncology nurse. I cannot wrap my head around that. I work with big people. I mean, we occasionally will have to respond to pediatrics on the floor, but you guys are such MVPs, not only pediatric, but little ones that have cancer too. How did you get into that field? You know, and I have mad respect for what you do as well. And ironically, I started out um, training to be an adult acute care nurse. Um, the program that I applied to was, it's one of those strange master's entry program where they make you decide what kind of nurse you want to be before you apply, which, you know, in reflection, I can't really endorse that way of choosing what you want to do. Because of course, as you know, before you're a nurse, you have no idea what you want to do with it because there's so many things to do. So, but nevertheless, that's what I chose because I didn't really have anything to go off of and it feel, felt like a a good specialty to to focus on. But fortunately, we were allowed to have, you know, clinical sessions in other fields. And about halfway through nursing school, it was my pediatrics. And I remember my first patient, I walked into the room, and it was this screaming little girl. And she had something called Steven Johnson syndrome, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it is a autoimmune um, disease in which these huge blisters break out on the patient's skin and mucous membranes, it is incredibly painful to have and it is incredibly painful to look at. And a nurse had asked me to go in and comfort this child. I did not feel like I had anything to offer this child. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, even, you know, relating to a child at this point felt very alien to me. And I just picked her up and I held her and I started singing a song that I had been working on in that moment. And she stopped crying. She put her thumb in her mouth and we just stood there and swayed for, I mean, I don't know how long it was. And, you know, it was in that moment that I had this really clarifying understanding that I wasn't meant to be a nurse of adults, but I was meant to take care of kids. And what that meant was I had to basically drop out of my program I was unable to complete the master's part of that. And I went straight from, you know, being a nursing student to a pediatric oncology nurse. And I feel so lucky to 
have had the opportunity to make that choice because, you know, there are not many moments in, in a person's life when you are able to have that just clear moment of what you're meant to do. And I'm not saying that it's been an easy journey. It's been incredibly hard. Like I feel very lucky to have made it through the first couple of years of nursing without killing a young person, but it has been such a rich and amazing journey for me. And I'm just truly thankful to, you know, have the opportunity to work with these kids, their parents, and also to, to learn from these really special people. That alone is really crazy concept. I couldn't imagine having to know at the very beginning of my education or even career, what my focus was going to be. I had no idea, but not only that, oncology, taking care of patients that they have cancer. That is heart-wrenching in itself. How do you navigate day-to-day with doing that with children? Is that, that has to be a really heavy and rewarding thing at the same time. You hit the nail right on the head. I think navigating the, you know, complex emotional, you know, minefield that these patients and their parents go through is probably the hardest part of this job. It's really unclear often on what it is I can do to make this person feel better um, emotionally or physically. You know, it's just a, a minefield where I feel like there, there's so many things that I can do wrong. And, you know, I'm often there, you know, sitting in the room with, you know, a, a parent and they're often not their child because we try to, you know, protect kids when they're, you know, first diagnosed. But, you know, with a parent who's, you know, learning from the doctors that their kid has leukemia or a brain tumor. And um, I have to be part of that process where they're really understanding the understanding the implications of of what this all means to them and their lives are forever changed even if this child goes on to beat their disease they have two to three years of like intense therapy and i've seen so many families break up Um, i've seen so many dreams dashed so it's really important to consider how i can be part of the process of healing and when i was a new nurse i think i had a lot of anxiety about how how I was supposed to approach, you know, a parent or their child when talking about their disease. And what I've learned is that you just got to do it. You know, the discomfort in encountering these strong emotions is usually mine. It's not theirs. I remember there was a mom and what she told me, she said, you can always talk to me about my child. I might cry and get upset, but it's not as if I suddenly forgot about him and you just reminded me. You know, these parents, they live through this diagnosis every day, every second. So I've learned just to dive right in and be part of that process and be part of this communication. And when you sweep away all the discomfort and are real about things, you can really develop a therapeutic relationship. Hmm. It's, It's so strange for me because, again, my background comes from neuro and brain injuries. And so I understand a lot of what you're saying with having to take care of parents the same way that, you know, someone comes in and they have a stroke and and they're not able to talk anymore. And you really learn and get close and you learn that the family is part of taking care of the patient. And sometimes even more than actually taking care of the patient is what you do for the family members. Oh, absolutely. What do you feel like is the most difficult thing about your job, your role for you? That's a, that's a, a really good question. I think it is separating you know, that pain from my life as a father. And what I've come to understand is that the more 
I tried to separate it, the more difficulty I have. You just have to, like I said before, you just have to go all in. You know, there, and it's it's truly a stylistic thing. Some nurses, and you know, even some pediatric nurses, that's not how they operate. They are clinical, and mm-hmm. they do their job, and you know, to keep the patient safe. That is not how I operate. I I really like to form a relationship that, you know, has reasonable boundaries. I try to make the job fun. I mean, I, you know, I make arts and crafts for the kids I work with. Just last week, I had a really heartbreaking little girl who's leukemia. And, you know, she's one of those girls who really loves to help. So as I'm pushing meds into her NG tube, she's, she wants to push them. So she pushes these meds into her NG tube. And she was so brightened by her experience that it made sense to me to kind of involve her in that process. So I made her like a, a nurse's badge and I uh-huh. let her, you know, really be part of that process because these kids, they are subject to so much pain and so much discomfort. But the thing that's the worst for them is having no control and being subjected to just like the whims of adults. And I don't know if you remember being a kid, but I'm 44 years old and I still remember how hard it was to not have the ability to dictate what was going to happen. But imagine you're a child with cancer. You've got tubes coming out of your nose. You've got tubes going to your chest. You're in the hospital for months. You have no autonomy. And any little thing one can do to kind of create an atmosphere of inclusion, of, of self-empowerment, I mean, I would rather do that every single day of the week than be a good nurse. I mean, I think that's, I don't want to hurt anybody, but I want to be there for the part of the job that is great for me is being that person. I will give you chemotherapy. I will keep you safe. I will prevent you from throwing up and suffering pain, but I want to be there for you. And it's actually a pleasure for me. It's not, it's not really a job. I mean, I am happy to get paid for it. I mean, I need to pay my mortgage as well, but this is what we do as humans. And if one has the opportunity to be helpful, then they should take it. I said that when I first became a nurse, I felt, and I still do, but very early on, just like you were saying, I used to tell people, I'm like, this is my favorite pastime is going to work and taking care of people and families and everything else. It's just an incredible and rewarding as well as heartbreaking type of thing that you do. A question that I have for you, you mentioned that you are a dad. Yes. How, how old is your child children? I have two kids and um, we did have not a full grasp of birth control when we were first married. (laughs) So we were, we were pregnant before we were married. So I have a daughter, she is six and I have a son who is almost five. They are two little maniacs um, (laughs) who teach me a new thing every day. Before I was a father, I thought I knew who I was, but after having two kids, I realized that I was completely wrong. There's nothing like parenthood to teach you the true person you are. And often it's a really ugly picture (laughs) (laughs) because you are exhausted. You are frustrated. Often you have little patience. It really requires a certain amount of equanimity to be a good parent. And it's not easy. And that role has definitely bled over into my life as a pediatric nurse as well. And vice versa. I'm a different father because I'm a because I'm a pediatric nurse and I'm a different pediatric nurse because I'm a father. That was exactly what I wanted to ask you about. Your (laughs) children, with them being so young and you've been a nurse for 13 years. So obviously when you went into this, you weren't a dad. You were just a man. You were just I could barely get a date, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) So how has being a dad changed how you go about being a nurse for children and their families? Yeah. Um, 
you know, people often ask similar questions like, how do you separate, you know, this role as being a pediatric nurse and being a dad? And simple answer to that is that I, I don't. Every time I take care of a sick child or a dying child, I, I treat them like they're my own, like they're my own son or my own daughter. And it doesn't mean I suffer the psychic pain that, you know, their parents do as, you know, they're dying. I mean, if I did, I wouldn't be a good clinician. I, you, you, you have to like do your job. You have to maintain a certain outward appearance. You know, when I'm taking care of these kids, I, I treat them like I would treat my own kids. And I think that's, you know, the key to being a successful pediatric nurse. And it doesn't mean you can't do that when you're not a parent, but it really helps. And what I learned, so there was David before he was a father and he was just a nurse. And there was David after he had kids. And what I learned is that there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. So sympathy is being able to understand somebody's pain. But empathy means like the actual experience of that pain. So now that I'm a dad and I've had ups and downs with my kids and they don't have cancer, but I can understand what it would be like for my child to be in pain. I am a much more effective nurse and I'm able to engage with parents in a way that we have this kind of shared bond. You know, often when I walk into a room to take care of a patient and a parent who I don't know, it's not long before I let them know that I'm also a dad because, you know, there's this special club, just like there's a special club of podcasters. There's a special club of parents where you all know what it's like to raise kids. And it's just like being on the playground. You know, when I take my kids to the playground, which is not too much these days because there is a global pandemic, if I see another child fall down, I pick up that child. I mean, if I see somebody picking on somebody else, I will ask that child, hey, what are you doing? Like, let's let's play. There is something to be said about being a caretaker for everybody. And being a parent has taught me that if I don't look out for every kid, then I don't know who else will. So it's been super helpful for me to be a dad while being a pediatric nurse. I would, it's really added to my skill sets. I can understand what you're saying and how beneficial it has to be even for the family members to have that connection because realistically, and I mean, you know, from your years of being a nurse, you have to be able to form those connections. They have to feel like you're in the trenches with them, that you feel the pain that they're feeling and that when their heart is breaking for their child, your heart is breaking for their child and everything that they're going through too. I'm glad to hear that being a parent has even helped you get even further to that side of compassion. Yeah. You know, it's, it's super tricky. I mean, cause like, you'll have a different experience with every patient. Sometimes there's a level of intimacy that you're able to develop that is fully appropriate. And it, it helps you be a better clinician. It helps you focus more on that child in a therapeutic way and it helps you make that parent more comfortable. But there are times, honestly, and you probably experienced this as well with your own patients, is that you need to take a step back because there's something to be said about too much empathy where you are no longer able to separate yourself from the situation. And I think as a new nurse, that was a boundary that I didn't really understand. And I would often leave work just a complete mess. I mean, I think baseline, most nurses, that first year of nursing is not easy because you are like, oh my God, there is so much pain in this world. And you literally have life and death in your hands. If you accidentally give too much of a medication, you can kill someone. And that is Absolutely. terrifying without the experience behind it. 
Yeah. And this may not be easy for some of your listeners to hear, but you know, I take care of kids who die and I will, I'll be that last person to hear them breathe or feel their heart. And, you know, often when a child dies, what we do on our floors, we give that child a bath and it's, it's kind of a way of, of us cleansing this child and getting them ready for whatever is next for their body or their soul. I mean, everybody has a different take on that and I'll do that. And when I do it, I do it as, you know, with the heart of a father, but then Jamie, I go home, I put my own kids to bed. I'll give them a bath. Usually the bath happens before bed. (laughs) (laughs) And I often have this real disconnect. I mean, trying to separate who I am in that moment. And what I've realized is that I have to take my same caring for my own children into the hospital and I have to do the same thing at home. And it's just a really sometimes awkward, but really true meeting of the minds. And I'm okay if it hurts. I'm okay if I feel uncomfortable because I'd rather have truth than, you know, block what I'm feeling. And it's just, it's part of the, it's part of being human. It's part about being a nurse and it's part of being a father. With talking about dealing with death and the suffering of the children that you take care of, is there anything that you do once you get home, maybe run, or is there an activity that kind of helps you mentally recharge? Um, for me, I think the journey from hospital to home is really important because not only are you actually moving physically away from the hospital to your home, there's a mental journey as well. So I will take that time to to break it down in my head. Like if there was something that intense happened, I, I you know, I'll work it out. I have a pretty long commute. It's not like yours. I don't drive. <laughs> I I ride my bike and I take a train. So I will get on my bike and ride it, you know, three or four miles and then jump on the train with that bike and then ride home after that. So there is a journey there that happens. And usually by the time I get home, you know, I'm sweaty and I'm tired, but I feel like, you know, I've kind of broken through a membrane where I'm okay. I mean, I'm in my home and usually that involves like a pretty rowdy place. I mean, my kids are loud. They are enthusiastic about life and they are sometimes really difficult so it's not always a therapeutic end you know often like i'm just having to put out another fire when i get home when you welcome to parenthood but like i said it's it's what we do and you know you make a choice when you're a nurse and you make a choice when you become a parent that you're kind of in it for the good stuff the bad stuff and everything in between but yeah the journey for me is really helpful it's a great way to see it too i used to run uh, then I was in a bad wreck in 2014. I can't run anymore, but that was always what would help me going out in the middle of the night because I used to be a night shift nurse. And so on my days off, I would go for a run at two o'clock in the morning when the whole world was quiet and it was just time to decompress and to work through whatever thoughts or feelings. And so it's cool that your home life is a way that you decompress and that that chaos is a good reminder that it helps ground you back to your reality away from work too. Oh yeah. I mean, when you take care of a child who's, you know, stuck in bed for months, it's kind of nice to go and see a child that is running around naked and screaming like a wild bohemian. <laughs> um, it's refreshing. And, you know, what it does is it it makes me forever grateful for every second I have to be a parent to healthy kids. And I'm sure that every parent is happy for this, but not every parent gets the perspective of what the alternative is. So in those moments when I 
just want to shoot myself in the head because my kids are being so obnoxious. I do try to remind myself that they are able to be obnoxious and, you know, it gets you through the moment. (laughs) Can you tell me, because you do so much for patients, for families, for healthcare in general, you talked just a tad about it whenever you were introducing yourself to everyone, but you don't just leave it all at the hospital. You don't just leave it all there. You're actually working on a book too, right? Can you tell us a bit about that and who it's really made for? Yeah, no, absolutely. And the book is written. It will be published by, like I said, Gen Z Press in August 18th, 2021, which seems like a far endpoint right now, but we'll get there. You know, I started writing the book because I had a really intense experience at work where I took care of a, a child. Well, he was more, he was a teenager who, who was dying. And, you know, over the course of two weeks, I got to know him very well. And I realized that these, there were so many stories in the place where I work that nobody would ever really get to hear about. And there's so many things that I thought would be really valuable. So my first goal was to put these stories down to, you know, almost in a diary-like way to record what was happening every day. And then as I continued to do this, I realized that there are so many lessons to be told and so many lessons to pass on to other parents. And that really happened when I became a father where I really saw how important um, the lessons I learned at the bedside were could be to, you know, parents at home. And, you know, some of these lessons are super obvious, but when you really get down to the nuts and bolts and put them in the context of a, a sick or dying child, it takes on a whole different meaning. So for instance, there's a chapter in my book called meet your kids where they are and not where you want them to be. And obviously, you know, everybody wants their kids to, you know, thrive and be who will be their best person. But putting that into practice is really difficult. You know, we all bring our own traumas and past to parenthood. And it's really hard to separate that from our kids' own autonomy and their own dreams and desires. So one of the stories in this chapter is about a child. Um, well, his, his name is, is different from what it's in the book. But in the book, I call him Roberto. And he has a brain tumor called DIPG, which is absolutely, it's a horrible disease. It's, um, it stands for diffuse intrinsic pontinglioma. Hmm. And the average survival time for a child who has this is like a year. So there's no, there's no good prognosis for this disease. It's, it's going to kill you. So I took care of this kid when he first got the disease. And, and back then he could, he could take care of himself a little bit. He could move, he could talk, he could breathe well, and he could, you know, reach out for his parents and his really cute brother to, to hold him. And then I took care of him a year later. And I honestly walked into the room and I had no idea who this child was. Mm. He was a completely full care patient. He couldn't talk. He was blind. He couldn't move without help. He could barely hear. His hearing was so bad that his parents had to scream into his ear for, for him to understand. And I got to know him and his parents really well over those couple of weeks where, you know, before he passed away. And it's really interesting how a disease like that changes your expectations for the, the life you want your child to live. I remember, you know, standing over his bed with his mom one day and she was telling me about her son before he got sick, you know, all the things he wanted to do, his dreams and all the things that he really was good at. You know, he was a boy scout. He was really good at math. He was such a good older brother. And you could tell she was so holding on to this, this past. 
And then she said, David, I'm so proud of my son for, sorry. <laughs> I'm so proud of my son for the person he's become. And in that moment, I realized that being a parent is not is not having expectations for who we want our kids to be. We just have to go where they are and help them, you know, be the best person they can be. And this kid was, was dying, but she was so proud of him for how, how graceful he was doing it. And, you know, I really held on to that. You know, whenever I, whenever I get upset that my kids are not doing something I want to do, I remember that, you know, they are their own people. And if I don't respect that, if I don't nurture that, then I'm doing them a disservice. So it's these lessons that really inspired me to write this book. And that's just, you know, one, one chapter. And it's been such an edifying experience for me. I really have, I've had to go to some super dark places to mm -hmm. find the meaning in some of these lessons. And it's my hope that people can read this book and find some meaning in it and not only some meaning in in these really rarefied lessons but also to like have access to a space that they normally would never have access to like how many people get to spend hours as a fly in the wall in a pediatric oncology ward there is there are stories there my friend it's it is an intense and crazy place to exist but what a what a beautiful way to take those things that you've seen and that you've experienced, that you've had the blessing of being a part of to change it so that other parents and other people can learn as well, because they don't have the same opportunity that you do to experience it that way. Like what a beautiful way to deliver that to people. And what's, what's the name of your book? The book is called Nurse Papa, 16 Meditations on Parenthood from a Pediatric Oncology Nurse. How long did it take you to write it? Oh, it took me five years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I've always been a, a writer and I've always been an artist. In fact, before I was a nurse, I, I went to art school and Ooh. I was a sculptor. And I didn't know if the skills that I had learned as an artist would be applicable to being a nurse. But what I learned is that as an artist, you you deal with observing and you spend time looking at things and reproducing them and discovering how you feel about them. And that's exactly what you're doing as a nurse. You walk into a room and you have to digest what is going on in that room with that patient physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. So being able to have a, that skill set was super helpful. And on the same token, it made me really want to communicate these things that I experienced in an artful way. So yeah, I mean, it took me five years to write, and it was actually incredibly difficult to find a publisher for it. But ultimately, I didn't give up, and I found you know a publisher willing to take on a pretty challenging subject. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm super excited for the book to come out. And you know, honestly, when it when it comes out, I'd love to come back on the show and talk to you more about the specific. Me too. I think that's a great plan. I love All it. Right. We have a date. August. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And so not only did you spend this time writing the book, but you also have a podcast now too, that helps parents 
Can you tell us more about your podcast? Yeah. So the podcast is also called Nurse Papa. And my wife, who has been so supportive over the last five years of me writing this book, was so super happy that I was going to start a podcast now and take up more of my valuable time. No, not at all. She was really (laughs) pissed off. (laughs) But you know what? My wife knows who she married. I I'm super ambitious and I, I can't just sit around being a dad and nurse. I need to do something else. So yeah, I did start a, a podcast of the same name. And in it, you know, I took a deep dive into personal stories of parenthood and hopefully come out on the, on the other side with some kind of understanding of what it all means. And I don't pretend to know the answers to all the questions that I, I put forward in the podcast, but I think the journey of asking the question can at least take you to a place where you are okay with not knowing what's going on. You know, we exist in this culture where a lot of people really want to have digestible information all the time, right in front of them. Mm-hmm. But there's a process that you go through in not knowing, in falling flat on your face many times in one day, <laughs> because that's my experience of parenthood. Like, I really suck at being a dad sometimes. Like, I struggle with being a dad. And it was really important to me to communicate that experience. So in each episode, I you know tell us one of these stories of parenthood that I have experienced with my own kids, and then in the second half of half of each episode, I take a letter from a listener and I basically help them with their own parenting problem. So if any of you listeners are parents and you are interested in being on my show, you can write to me and I will hopefully include you on a future episode. Where can they write to you? So they can write to me at david at nursepapathebook.com. I'll also add that link to your podcast and the way that they can email you as well in the show notes, guys. So if you didn't write that down, just go back to the show notes, take a look. You can click on it from there. Absolutely. also in your podcast, the thing that really is going to bring people in is that there's this adorable voice from the (laughs) beginning. Nurse Papa is brought to you by Just Some Podcast Media. Dun-da-da-da! The views on this podcast are those solely of the host and do not represent the views or opinions of any other institution. (laughs) That I just couldn't get enough of when I listened to it myself. And who is that? That is my little daughter, Sifika. She she is a born actress and (laughs) she is such a good sport. And she's so talented. She is so talented. And that's just, you know, on the radio. She is... She's a really amazing kid, um, and I'm so happy and blessed to have two kids. My son is also, you know, right behind her in the in the talent section. I mean, he is he's definitely doesn't have the personality that she has because he's still kind of forming his personality, but mm-hmm. he is such a goofball as well. But yeah, it was really important to me to include my family because, you know, being a writer is such an isolating pursuit, and I wanted to include my daughter. Um, and my son and my wife, she's also in some episodes in that process. And you know, like you said before, it's it's it doesn't hurt to draw listeners in to have this cute voice <laughs> participating. And you'll you'll see as you listen to more episodes that she comes into it much more. She's very adorable. You can hear her personality through the speakers. What type of topics are you covering? I know that you were talking like in in broad brushstrokes about it, but what yeah. what specific type of things are you covering on your episodes? I mean, I think every milestone that one has in parenthood, I will get to eventually. I mean, I do like to talk about the idea of being a parent. And the first episode, which is called The Sport of Parenting, 
really kind of breaks down like the power dynamics of who's in charge, you know, because before I was a dad, I was like, oh, I'm in charge. But I quickly learned that I was absolutely not in charge. <laughs> and I think that's a, a lesson that every parent comes to eventually. So that's the first episode. The second episode is called uh, Momo's Revenge. And Momo was the name that my daughter gave to her pacifier, Aww. which Momo was amazing. Momo <laughs> helped us get through a lot of hard times. But getting rid of Momo was one of the more challenging things of our first years of parenthood. The episode after that is called Corona, the virus that potty trained my son. And, you know, we really had some issues with that. And it's nothing like a global pandemic to help your child use a toilet. So they're, they're stories that are very practical. But my goal is to create stories that a parent can listen to and go, oh, yes, I went through that. And I just got I mean, I'm, I'm going to read this to you because I just got it a couple of days ago and it just warmed my heart. So there are two things that can make Nurse Baba happy. One is to get a letter from a parent about one of their parenting problems because I'm so excited that somebody wants to engage. And the second thing is to have somebody review the show. And this woman who I don't know, she wrote this comment. She said, we all need more humor and honesty along this parenting journey and crazy kid stories from others to make us realize we're not alone. Thank you, Nurse Papa, for breaking it down, making it funny and turning chaos into poetry. And I, I've never had somebody say such a nice thing to me. And that's really the goal of my show, to have people listen and, and understand. So for future episodes, we got lots of fun things coming up. The next episode, which will be out, I'm, I'm not sure how long it takes you to produce your show, but it'll probably be out by, by the time it's out. It's called A Slice of Fatherhood. And it talks about a moment when I first, well, when my son was first born and I was in a Costco and I, pretty much had a nervous breakdown with him strapped to my chest. It's really funny. It's really sad. <laughs> but I'm trying to normalize the idea that as parents, we don't have everything figured out. You know, many people want to believe that when you become a dad or you become a mom, that you suddenly have a stroke of wisdom that guides you. And it is completely the opposite. So that episode really kind of hits home with that. And no rule book, and then, right? You know, after that, they're there, no, the rule book got thrown out years ago. We used the, the rule book as toilet paper. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really trying to normalize the idea of what it means to be a parent. I'm trying to laugh about it. I'm trying to cry about it. And I want everybody to just take a seat, listen to Nurse Papa, and, and understand that we're all in this journey together. And not even if you're not a parent, I think you can enjoy kind of learning what it is to be a parent because it further confirms the fact that you don't want to be one. <laughs> well, I enjoyed listening to it. I appreciate it's that. A, it's a great show. And like I said, even oh, my heartstrings, the moment that I started listening and hear that beautiful little voice, I mean, I was instantly engaged. And where where can people find your podcast? Where can they listen to your show? So they can listen to on on, on any you know major podcast pl uh, platform. They can find it on Spotify, on Apple, on Stitcher. And there are so many other platforms that I don't know about, but it's I think it's pretty much available everywhere at this point. Okay, great. Um, and I encourage listeners, if they do enjoy the current episode, to go back in time a little bit because, you know, for me as an artist, every episode is really a painting that I want to share. And every episode is about 20 to 30 minutes. So if you have a commute, if you go for a run, if you just need to check out from your life for a short amount of time, it's not going to take up too much of your time. And hopefully it'll bring you a giggle and get you through a moment of this pandemic period. Yeah. And even post-pandemic. Just the sanity of being a parent. 
to help yes. to, well, like you said, the, to know you're not in it alone. Yeah, the insanity of being a parent. <laughs> right. I will. I will also put a link to your podcast here too. So, guys, go ahead, click on that in the show notes. Listen to it. You're not going to regret it. You're going to love it. And thank you so much for being on the show and sharing the your life and the things that you've experienced so far and bringing knowledge in general to parents, to non-parents and, you know, the lessons that you're giving to us through your experience. That's, we can't thank you enough for being that type of person. Uh, Jamie, thanks so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk about this. You know, sometimes I, I don't realize how close to my heart it is. And I know I got a bit emotional back there because like these, you know, these stories are really, are really important. And sometimes I forget that, you know, I was part of them and I just want to just communicate my thanks to you and your listeners for giving me the moment to talk about it. And I think it's also important that because there are people who aren't involved in healthcare that listen to this show as well. And it's a good reminder that the people who are caring for you when you get sick, when your loved one gets sick, that you touch, you know, they touch our hearts too. And that it's not, it's not just a job. It's not something that when we leave that we, we actually take a piece with us, a big piece, a small piece, but we're impacted just as much from the experience and the benefit and blessing of being able to be that person in those moments, in those days and hours. For sure. So I, I really appreciate the the rawness that you bring to it too, to remind everyone that there's a lot of love out there that comes from healthcare providers too. Oh yeah. You are going to find lots of big open hearts um, in the hospital and particularly in the pediatric oncology ward. It draws a particular person and we want to be there for you and we hope to never see you, but we want to be there for you <laughs> right. when we do. And I look forward, I really, I look forward to having you back in August to talk more about your book. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Jamie. Yeah, thank you.